tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Good morning, Swarm, and Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of Tim Fall Hat. We love you very much. Joining me as always, Xavier Guerrero and Jay Nice, Johnny Woodard. How are you guys? We're doing Rock. good. Happy New Year's. Rock. Oh. Yeah, we missed it. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't say we missed it, but we didn't do it. Uh, yeah, I didn't do it. That was my fault. Sorry, guys. Sorry. New Year, new me. New Year, new me. No, we're gonna we'll do the same opening, but we'll do that. (laughs) Uh, thank you guys for joining us. How are how was your New Year's, everybody? That's good. I you you know I I had a good I went to the show for the New Year, but I've been sick for about a week and I can't breathe out of my face, which is kind of the place you breathe out of, so it's been a problem. (laughs) Uh, I'm just starting to get my voice back. It was a drag. What show did you go for to? For uh, the the Avid Brothers is banned from North Carolina. They play a New Year's Eve show. And it's the first time they've been able to do it because of the pandemic back. And it's you know it's just like fifteen thousand people in a room uh, listening to music for six hours. It, it was crazy. What kind they, of music they, is it? Well, the first band that they're friends with is this hardcore metal band, like a super crazy metal. This big fat guy with no shirt looks like Santa Claus. You know, I mean, just coming out there <laughs> shredding it, and it was that was great. But then they're like a folk rock, like a really chill sort of sound, and it, it was good though. You know, a lot of, a lot of good people. We had a good time. It was nice. Xavier, what'd you do? Then I'll get into what I did. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, we celebrated Ezone's birthday at Be Real Studio. Steptone was there, and we spent the when night. When was his there. birthday? Uh, his birthday actually lands on the first, so I mean, it's like perfect mm-hmm. time. And yeah, well, I mean, at least for us, you know, you give him one gift and Happy New Year's, and you're done. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool dude so it was a new year's eve birthday party yeah shout out to you happy birthday again all right man well guys uh I, dates are coming january's in full effect we have some great shows coming up this saturday uh, january 7th i am at the fentanyl awareness uh show it is the first ever inaugural fentanyl awareness they want me to do 15 minutes just talking about you know my, my life recovery and all that stuff that's a free show if you want to go music food and just me dropping hammers okay then dude we have one of the greatest shows we've ever put together comedy chaos january 11th two shows first show is pure murder second show is pure murder go grab those t- yeah look at that whitney sebastian maskelco tony baker orny adams trevor wallace who's whose instagram is such fire bro uh then the second show i got I got um who do I got for in the second show? It's a killer show as well. Let's see if they got them up. Oh, what oh yeah, we got um we got Felipe Esparza, Matt Rife, Rachel Wolfson, Jason Rouse, and uh David Dave fuck man. Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo and who else? David Landau. Sorry, I love David so funny. David Landau. So sorry about that. Uh, great lineup. Crushers. 
So grab your tickets now. They will both sell out. Uh, then I'm in Batavia, Illinois, January 12th through the 14th. And then House of Comedy at uh, the 19th through the 21st. Then we're doing Long Beach, Tim Hat Comedy Night, Long uh... Beach, the 26th. And then the 27th, I'm getting the date today. We're at the well in Bakersfield. Go to samdrew.com for those dates and more dates coming up. But that's it. Guys, love you guys. Uh, anything else? You guys got any shows or anything coming up? Nope, that's it. Check out We Don't Smoke the Same. We Don't Smoke the Same live on Thursdays and Saturday mornings. All right, man. Uh, this is a great show. Uh, the guys from AM Wake Up on Rockfin. Uh, enjoy the conversation. We go deep, homeboy. Very excited to have these guests on. They're 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 hard workers, and uh, they're part of the Rockfin family, and they put out great fucking content. I'm very excited to have them on. They're part of the AM Wake Up on Rockfin. Please welcome Pasta Jardula and Steve Poinkinen. There we go, bro. I got through the hardest part of the episode. All right. Thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having us on, man. Appreciate it. I love you guys. I'm so happy uh, that you guys are on the show. A great way to kick off 2023. I think it's going to be a great year for all of us. At least I want to convince myself of that. For those who may not be familiar with you guys uh, appearing on past episodes, can you tell us both a little bit about yourself, your show, and where everybody can find you? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, Craig Pasta Jardula from uh, AM Wake, Wake Up, which was my second show. Uh, kind of uh, being inspired by you, Sam, to have 30 shows one day. I got two right now. Uh, Five more to go, dog. I know. Nobody works harder, brother. Nobody in the business. And you do stand-up to boot. It's great. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have this other show called The Combo Couch. been doing it for about five years plus. Uh, I still do it Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays with my partner, Fiorella, who's actually taken a second job at RT. Uh, so she uh, she actually streams live with me Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from Moscow while I'm in the studio, usually in Vegas. Right now I'm home in Florida. But I started a second show with Steve, which kind of was like a little bit more of a hybrid to get a little bit more kind of like uh, – discussion-y and, you know, politics happen down the road to not just be such more like an independent news channel, but to have fun uh, and just get, you know, different opinions out there to have uh, just more discussions and uh, expand, uh, expand the discussions themselves. So my second show, AM Wake Up, uh, we started about what, 10 months ago now, Steve? Uh, officially, yeah, I think so. Officially like 10 months ago and we've been rocking it ever since. So yeah, that's what I'm all about. Uh, the main, uh, area of expertise i'd like to say is election integrity uh but i'm also right. an international election observer i mean i come traditionally i guess from what you would call the left but nowadays what the hell is left what the hell is right it's just about uh getting getting around and getting involved in rooms with people who can think for themselves like you guys and that, that's what we're doing here today well i love it steve where can they find you so uh, I have another show called Slow News Day, which I've been doing for a little over four years now. And that's where most of the social media is attached. But as Pasta pointed out, um, we've been here in Vegas for about 10 months doing this. I was doing a morning show just kind of by myself on Rockfin for a little while because nobody else was. Uh, and it's a good way to allow people to get their news like six to 12 months early, which is what we've usually been doing. Uh, so <laughs> the opportunity arose, 
to to do a show here in Vegas in a studio. We we jumped on it, and, and as Pasta was saying, it does have a, a you know kind of a more like old school morning radio show feel to it. But we are bringing on brain breakers every single day. And uh, and we have been consistently giving people the the headlines about, you know, at least a year early. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of everything. And, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, we'll get into this discussion. But, you know, wh whatever the official narrative is, the legacy media sets that narrative and we have to work from there. And then we have to sit down and go, OK, here's what's officially being told. But the evidence says something else may be uh, afoot. Um, it's just, it's like super interesting because, you know, here we are, we've got this Buffalo Bills situation happening. I'm already getting attacked by the same people on Twitter. I, I don't even know how they find my new Twitter accounts, but these guys I know, these people I know from Hollywood, uh, I'm very, I'm going to start really differentiating LA from Hollywood. Hollywood is the garbage. LA is wonderful. Hollywood needs to be thrown in the ocean. And these people from Hollywood are, again, attacking me about all the situation going on um, with the Buffalo Bills player and all this weird stuff. But why do you guys do it? That's my question. Why do you guys go through this, all this stuff? What is the purpose of it? For, for me, it's pretty... <clears throat> um, there's a giant lane for people who are interested in putting out accurate information. There's an even bigger lane for people who can do it while being funny at the same time. I don't do any of this shit to change anybody's mind about anything. Do it to ease my own mind about everything. Works pretty much every time. And if things go particularly well, we all get about a three-hour distraction from our impending doom. <laughs> Mine's a little bit different, obviously. I think I'm on the other side of that coin. I am doing this to change some people's minds. I think that the propaganda out there also known as the mainstream media is doing nothing but spreading lies uh you know uh, at the end of the day i think the number one tactic is to make sure that the people the citizens our neighbors we're pitted against each other and we're at each other's throat therefore the ruling class or those who are pulling the strings they can run off with all the money the resources and eventually get rid of us useful leaders so for me i looked at it as a responsibility when i started the combo couch uh to open some eyes and to bring some information and you know uh, I've been following up with actually doing some form of journalism where I get off my butt, I go to a country, I observe their elections, and then I report back. And it seems to be nice. uh, working because even though I, I have a small movement, it's been growing little by little. Uh, it, it's, it is really a, uh, uh, what's the word, a, a gift uh, to be able to do this and to have people say, hey, here's a few bucks, go over there, get information. We understand what they're feeding us is crap. You tell us what's going on, what you experience, what you see. Uh, and, and I love that aspect of this whole uh, independent media that I've been able to, to accomplish. I love I loved seeing you on Jimmy Dore. That was great, Jimmy Dore, doing the Lord's work. And, you know, it's great to see Jimmy Dore and then somebody like Rogan talking about the same things from maybe different angles, even though they probably would both admit they're uh, old school liberals. I know that that um, Jimmy ha sometimes is saying that he's progressive or maybe he is progressive. I don't know. But it's good to see that. Though all these guys from the the spectrum of political talk all seem to say the same things over and over again. Um, so I want to get into a couple of things because there's a lot to talk about. You know, 
I want to get into your thoughts on what happened in Cincinnati a couple nights ago, two nights ago. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we have to be careful not jump to any conclusions. I think it was just coming on the heels of the whole Andrew Tate thing where a lot of people are saying he was going to be arrested for a month and he was taken into custody. And we found out uh, it was quite different, you know. So, I mean, I think there's always a, uh, an eagerness for a lot of people to kind of get out there and report the, the news first rather than report it thorough. Uh, so we can't necessarily jump to conclusions, but I think a lot of us in this particular room have been also looking and seeing a lot of athletes across the world just dropping like flies. I mean, we're sports guys over here, you know, uh, me and you, uh, Sam. So we understand the sport. We've seen a lot of hits before. That wasn't a hard hit. Now, I'm not saying that it's vaccine induced and it's an injury and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, with all this increase of thousand percent increases of athletes dropping all around the world, I think we have to ask ourselves that question. Could it be possibly the vaccine that made this uh, gentleman's heart enlarged? And then that hit was so deadly. So I don't think we have to necessarily say it is vaccine induced with whether we believe it or not, but I don't think we should leave it out of the equation. So I'm very happy that some of us are bringing this to the table and kind of pointing out this information because, you know, uh, I kind of think that Steve was on to something. I think that the majority of the athletes that thought they got a vaccine probably got a placebo, but a couple of people are going to slip through the cracks. And this is something that possibly could have slipped through the cracks. And as we, I'm going to say it again, Sam, you saw that hit. That was not a vicious hit. So questions need to be asked. And I think we definitely need to be examining, could this be a symptom of that vaccine? I mean, uh, John, yeah, Johnny thought that exact same thing. Go on, Steve. For a little bit of for a little bit of compare and contrast too, on the show the other morning, we pulled up John Lynch's highlight reel and, and took a look at some of the hits that he laid on people, and took a, a look at the reaction yeah. from him for you know going full speed at two hundred and thirty five pounds directly into, <laughs> and it was the exact same like shoulder. The exact same spot, all that stuff across the board in a number of cases. Pasta makes a good point that we should be asking questions. And you said, Sam, you were getting attacked by some folks in Hollywood that you had known. That's the that's regardless of what it was. And we may never actually know. But regardless of what happened to DeMar Hamlin, the fact that we are being attacked for simply asking shows you just how out of pocket the narrative management game has become. You can't even raise your hand anymore. I don't know. I, I did go to public school, but they did at least in the eighties, they encouraged you to Not raise bragging. your hand if you had a question, <laughs> you know, and now if you raise your hand because you have a question, you're uh, treasonous, you are a right wing Nazi, you want to kill grandma and you're probably selfish. Misogynist. Oh, yeah. Well, that goes yeah. without saying. Yeah. It goes without saying. Only yeah, and don't throw in climate change in there somewhere as well. <laughs> can, I, can I say, too, the one thing I was thinking about DeMar Hamlin, he was only drafted in 2021. So, and I agree with you. I don't think any of these NFL guys are getting the actual jab. Uh, he would have been subject, though, to the regular jab that everybody else was getting because he was only drafted in 2021, a sixth rounder in college. So I think if if we want if we want to look for a trend, it would be that to look for the guys that were only drafted recently and that would have had shots outside the NFL. Do you think any of the Do you think any of the players know that they're getting the placebo? No. So no, here's, no, no, no. here's what this is what we talked about yesterday. Every Tuesday on AM Wake Up, Ryan Christian comes on. It's T Lab Tuesday. It's an excellent conversation. Sam, you should jump in on one of those sometime. It's it's a blast. Um, 
in every single medical experiment that's ever run with a new product, there's a control group, there's a placebo group, uh, there's people who take the the active live, you know, test, the test shot. With something like mRNA, where they had tried for a decade and failed to bring any product to market, where they had tried for 50 years to kind of do a, a similar approach to, I guess, vaccination uh, and failed at every step of the way. If you're going to conduct a real-time experiment on the world, you're going to have to have a placebo group because you know your product kills people. And this is me speculating purely now. Um, but because they knew the product kills people, the amount of actual live attenuated mRNA product that was released, I'm guessing, was way lower than a normal run experiment to where you had potentially 60 or 70 percent of the people who took a shot only receiving a placebo. Because otherwise, you're going to have way more death across the board, and you're going to have way more people asking questions, regardless of whether or not it's okay. And we all know that the point of this was to get the products into people, get the people on the QR codes, and make the QR codes become the digital health passports and the digital identification. So whether or not it kills people isn't really the problem. It's just, can we make it so it only kills uh, enough, you know, a, a low enough amount of people to where we can still sort of brush it under the rug down a few years. But I could be talking crazy. Well, well, you're on the show, so I assume you are talking crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pasta, your thoughts? Well, I mean, just if you look at the VAERS numbers alone, right, compare it to any vaccine in the history, these numbers are off the charts. The, the deaths alone, I think, are over 30,000. And that is 40, 40 times underreported, according to the CDC. So that alone right there, you know, you, it, that should just kind of ring some bells up in some people's heads about what's going on. So, I mean, um, what's frightening to me is that no matter what, no matter how much information comes out, right? Like and, uh, Steve was talking about, you have to have the placebo, of course, unless you're Israel and we, who knows across the board, they probably just jabbed everyone out there. Um, you know, what are your Yahweh thoughts on that? There. What yeah, are your I mean, thoughts on that? Well, it, you know what? That furthermore just leads to the sensationalism that we have in our society. I played that video and I'm here in the motherland now. I'm Boca Raton. And I played that to a lot. Of, I played that video of Netanyahu admitting that stuff the other day. And we've talked on the show several times that we had thought that Netanyahu was like uh, properly removed. Like, you know, just happened to be coincidental timing that he was removed from office while all the jab shit took place in Israel. Now, Israel had some of the, the dirtiest. Oh, I never even heard said. this. Interesting. Well, I thought that's what it was like. Oh, they just removed this son of a bitch. So that he wouldn't have to take any fault for any of the mm. issues with the vaccine. Let's not forget that Israel's numbers, a lot of the frontline doctors were using their numbers. A lot of people who were just anti-COVID rhetoric were using those numbers. They kept saying, look at Israel, look at their numbers. Well, then he comes back into power after all this happens, right? They had the carousel of different prime ministers. And I was like, this guy is going to get out scot-free. Well, he comes out and he admits that he's been talking to Albert Bula, that he's been you know, implementing track and trace programs and whatnot. I played this with for a lot of people here who are, you know, pro-Zionist, pro-Trumper, thinking they would be disgusted by this, but they turned around and found a way to manufacture consent and say they still like him regardless. Yeah. So, you know, Netanyahu has the Trump effect, and it's kind of scary the fact that he does have that. I mean, I, he's worse. I mean, Trump is... 
Trump, the, the, I was just thinking about this, Andrew Tate, uh, Elon Musk, you know, Donald Trump, you know, they're all these like these guys who seem to be positioned themselves from the right, even though they probably had a lot of liberalism at some point in their life. But now they're on the right and they're all being censored. It's like, oh, my God, they're being censored. And it's just like this seems to me to be being used as a, a way to build credit with them to give them credibility street cred to to um be able to pull more people in to you know to intoxicate people with ah oh, they're not allowing them to do uh andrew schultz i uh, you know somebody said uh, andrew schultz he's great i love him. andrew tate uh he somebody sent me a video of him and i just realized he, you know he calls himself top g which is like the G is right out of Freemasonry. It's a, it's a, uh, it is in their symbol. His father was CIA. Uh, he does all the hand signals and all that. And I do believe, regardless of what you think of anybody, that he is being set up to go at Joe Rogan. That is my honest belief. If, when I play it out in my head, that's, that's what they're sending him in to do. What do you mean by that? Like, how is he going to go up? Like, that he's going to be the guy that counters. Rogan, that he's going to be that don't no one can fuck with me, blah 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 guy to go after Rogan, the he, controlled all, guy, the controlled opposition that yes, can take the crown. Yeah. Right? Yeah, gotcha. That's my opinion. That that based on my where I just kind of played out my head, and I, I'm more right than I'm wrong about that. That's my belief, and uh, they're sending him in. You know, uh, so I think it's Cobra, super, right? Don't they call him Cobra or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, his whole thing is is emulating Aleister Crowley. That that Cobra tattoo. There's a very famous picture of Crowley with the exact same head shape and lack of hair and addition of mustache and goatee and all that, looking almost identical. And he's got a snake wrapped around his arm in the exact same spot that Andrew Tate does. It. The guy has never held an original thought in his life. There has never been a sentence he's uttered that hasn't been said to death a billion times, a billion different ways by much, much smarter people. But what he does have is an intelligence community backing and a fan base of 13 to 17 year olds who flat the fuck out don't know any better. That's his demographic. <laughs> That's his demographic. I, I, and he's very good at filling in a niche, which it, which is the need to empower men because yeah. right now yeah. we're having a historical suicide rate with men. And I mean, like the, these stories that are coming out are nuts. Like this just Pearl, I forget what her name is. She's this redheaded white woman who's like dominating black YouTube. And she, she has this video where she's talking about how studies have shown women find 80% of men on not just unattractive, ugly. And that means 100% of women are fighting over 20% of the men. And what does that do to guys? And where does that, I mean, we look at where they're getting flooded with pornography and video games. And what are those video games? Fighting, violence, sports, which is what men in the past did naturally. Uh, gone now. Now they're they're falling into that. They can play these players that are like super good looking, super shredded in the game, and now that's who they are. No longer are they having to do that in real life. And it just seems like, and now you got like OnlyFans pushing women into OnlyFans, pushing feminism, pushing women into this kind of thing where I don't need a man. And it's like everybody needs everybody. We need. It's like it's like yin and yang of life. 
And he's a distraction agent, right? Like all these things you're talking about too, as well. I mean, not just the fact that he hasn't had a, you know, an original thought in his whole life or I haven't heard it and stuff. It's everything he's talking about is like, who gives a fudge anyways? This men are smarter than women shit. A woman doesn't need a man. What is feminine? It's like, I really don't give a shit. Like, what has this got to do with building seven? No, well, I do have a problem, like... though, Pasta. <laughs> I do have a problem with everybody freaking out that he's saying that when they are, are they are openly allowed to just talk as much nasty, violent shit about white men. And it's it's just like at the end of the day, it's like there's a bunch of like like if when people get mad at people going after Jews, which I, I again I'm anti-Jew world order. I, we'll we'll talk Zionism all day. But you know the I I have I my girlfriend's Jewish. I, I love. You know, I love everybody. I don't think that 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 religion makes you an evil person. I think psychopaths make you an evil person. But but what has the left has been allowed to 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 do to a segment of society, regardless of what you think of that is really unfair. If we really want to get into like Israel, like what Israeli officials are allowed to say about Middle Easterns and Palestinians would fly nowhere else in the world. And that's where I get really upset with the hypocrisy of that. Like, if you're getting mad at Andrew Tate saying that, oh, hey, men are men, men are smart, men built everything, you're getting really mad at that. Why haven't you said anything about male toxicity, white privilege, and all that shit that has been shoved down our throats to start what you were talking about earlier, divide and conquer, to get us all to fight with each other? And at the end of the day, it's like, I either say we talk shit about everybody, we don't talk shit about anybody. But I would prefer everybody. I would prefer that we're allowed to have within a, you know, as long as you're not inciting violence on somebody, uh, you should be able to say what you want. I mean, now, if you want to talk some shit about family members, I'll show up to your fucking house and knock on your door. But if you want to, like, you would say whatever you want about me. You could totally do that. I don't care. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And I, but I just feel like there is a, an important place to push back on what I believe is a cultural Marxism. And I would love to hear your guys' talk on that. That is yeah. a divide and conquer. Well, cultural, Marxism, think, uh, cultural Marxism was is a creation of the CIA. We'll get to that later in the show because we didn't get to it last <laughs> last time. We'll talk a little bit about what Marxism really is because, okay. yeah, I think that's more of a tool of, of the ruling class used to devise it. To divide us, it really isn't a thing. It's just something that's come about. Sorry, uh, Zavi. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just saying. I think he's kind of needed. There's a reason people and the kids like him because there's nothing that they can back back him up. There's I mean, like, dude, tells you, there's nothing that tells you that you can be a man. There's nothing that tells you wake the fuck up and don't be depressed. There's nothing that tells you go to the gym. Like Jordan Peterson does that a little. He, he fills that niche, but yeah, I get but for, he's Jordan Peterson's controlled he's opposition as well. Yeah, I, I know. I, yeah. I mean, he did older. give Benjamin Netanyahu a blowjob on camera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you on that as well. Like, I, mean, I was so yeah. disappointed with that, dude. I was so disappointed with that. <laughs> I so, so the conversations that the topics that Andrew Tate raises are important. Those conversations that you should have with people who aren't CIA spawn human trafficking scumbag. <laughs> yeah, I would be, dude. The centrific, you know, the centrifugal figure of that vital. I have sons. I would like them to continue to be, you know, good young men and then good men. And the Andrew Tates of the world are going to do harm to that, but so are the Bernie Sanders. And so are the people who are pushing all of the, you know, all of the woke nonsense. So it's it. what it comes down to is you've got 
incredibly controlled opposition being the the face of these conversations, which then dismiss all the of minute the hangouts. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Totally. You know, our last guest, uh, you know, he brought up some great points about that, how they want their people to be the ones be leading the narrative. And they don't want somebody like us or to come out there and get any of the credit. And that's completely 100% true, in my humble opinion, for sure. Absolutely. Right. To that point, though, it's men, it's as men, it's our responsibility to help raise better men. Really is. Dude, women aren't going to tell you how to be a good man. No, nah, they're going to tell you what they want. No, I'm with you. You know, I'm with you. But, well, but you know, it's like I'm in LA, Steve. And like Hollywood comedy, I, I, I was just I just did a, a UFC show and I was talking to them about L.A. comedy or Hollywood comedy versus uh, New York comedy, because I got to do uh, the New Year's Eve with the Legion of Skanks. And it was such a blessing because I was hanging out with these guys and, and girls that reminded me of when the comedy store was fire, you know, and Rogue was there and Diaz and it was just all these like outlaw savages and that's gone that's gone and what has happened is we have seen an utter castration of men in Hollywood uh I mean dude you can't like and this is where I start to get into like like I'm getting a lot of shit about my Instagram right now people don't like my reaction videos they either <laughs> love it and I'm crushing it and I'm getting I'm getting a ton of new subscribers <laughs> or they absolutely hate it, which is what I want. By the way, I either want you to love it or to hate it. I want you to have a feeling Johnny. Okay? You'd rather everybody love it though. Right. But I think when you have people passionately hate it, it also means whether, whether you like it or not, that means you are r resonating with them with an emotion. I think we all yeah. want to be loved all the time. I mean, but that's what like the news Howard does Stern too. Said, your, your haters make you like so and I'm also I, fun. I, I think what sam means is he rather you hate me or love me than be uh about it yeah, yeah no this is what you yeah. said about comedy this good comedy done well means half the room is is rolling laughing and half the room is getting up to leave so we have this political uh, yeah 100 so we have this political correctness thing going on and it, it, what it really is is that there there's this kind of monopoly wanting to be done in a weird way where only certain people can talk about certain things. And because if, if somebody says, if a black comic, let's say makes a joke about black people, white, white women in particular laugh at it. Right. If the, if a white comic says the exact same thing, now we got problems. Well, that's very weird to me because if we're talking about equality and we're talking about, you know, everybody being equal, why isn't a simple observation now there are racist saying but i think racial and racism are totally different talk about sex men who do dick jokes are called misogynists women talk about their vaginas they're like yes queen right <laughs> i mean we just go through it. i posted a video of this asian guy singing an asian song and i wanted to post it because i wanted to see people's reaction to it because if a white guy song sang that song people would be losing their fucking skulls and you're like this gets into again to this divide and conquer that's what we're talking about. Pasta, yeah. I'd love to hear anything. Well, how much of that is really the, the the majority of the population? You know, like, and this is my question to you. I was going to say, we're talking about all these things, but the divisiveness that's going on, that's pushed and spread by who? 
the mainstream media, which is pretty much the government, which is pretty much the leaders, right? So they're implementing this so we can fight. And they have the bigger megaphone to say these things. But I just don't understand the benefit. For instance, we're talking about going back to that conversation, other than to be divisive, you know, like to, to implement divisiveness of what you get out of who's smarter, men or women. I, I don't know what that conversation can lead to. Maybe I'm missing something here. Maybe you guys can explain it. But to me, it just seems like more of a distraction. I'd rather you walk over to a map and find out where friggin' Ukraine is. Because yeah. that's why we can't get anything done over here. Because Listen. we're sending all our money off and we have nothing but homeless people on the street. But 100%. you want to sit there and spend two hours to have a discussion about why men are smarter than women? I don't give a shit. It's the same thing with the flat earthers. I don't care if it's flat around. It's just not a discussion I want to put my hat on. And that's something I agree. That's really just- I, I agree. But uh, then this gets into, in my humble opinion, and I, I like I just, again, did this UFC show and they were like, what do you think about flat earth? I go, it's not my thing. I'm open minded to all of it, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, I don't believe the official narrative. So, I mean, I wouldn't I, I know they've lied about everything else. Why wouldn't they be lying about that? Uh, it just gets into this narrative of like they when everyone goes, uh, is everything conspiracy? It is a conspiracy going all the way to the back to God and what the connection with God and this this long con that's happened with, you know, implementing people that aren't being honest about who they are into the church to get people to disconnect with God. And the farther I see them get from God, the more I start to see anxiety, depression, obesity, uh, just all sorts of mental disorders, man. And this to me is done on purpose. So I agree that the divisiveness is 100%. All right, guys, real quick, I want to tell you about some of our friends that we're uh, working with our affiliate program. Uh, We have a a couple of them. Uh, if you want to buy t-shirts, go to simplehattshirts.com. That's a great way to support the show. We got some killer shirts for you. And we're always interested in new designs. Just hit me up and uh, we'll, we'll if we like it, we'll make it into a shirt. We'll send you some cash. Uh, if you're looking for gold and silver, please check out uh, samjulie.com. Click on the banner at Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. Tony has some really great deals going on. You can join his his uh, program where you buy a little bit every month, or you can just buy a big chunk. I I know I've just bought a big chunk of silver, and I'm about to buy a big chunk of gold. So go to that. Just click it. <coughs> uh, hydrogen brown gas. People are loving it, dude. People are loving it. You get a nice discount. Uh, here we go. Eagle Research, the AccuCure model AC550. Uh, click it. Use the promo code TINFOILHAT, and you'll get a nice little discount on that. And, uh, yeah, look at that, man. It's good looking. People have been hitting me up. They love it. And then, finally, if you're looking for crystals, and we always are, uh, we're very happy to be working with Haley Ray's crystals, everything go down. They got candles, crystals. I mean, they got everything there, and uh, they've sent me some. I got a package from them. I got to send them thank you. Uh, still owe them that, but go check it out. You get a nice discount uh, here. They got sage. They got everything. They got quartz. They got the stuff that blocks the uh, Wi-Fi so you don't get radiation. Just go to, uh, yeah, click the banner. Use the promo code TIMFALLHAT, and you'll get uh, 15% off that. So that's our stuff. Anything else? Oh, if you're, uh, yeah. So that's it, man. Uh, If you want to support the show, support our friends. 
Go to samdruid.com, click the banner, and get some amazing stuff. The only problem I have with the man, the men versus women thing is that there needs to be a counter to what's going on on the uh, going on, on on the screen versus real life. Like if you watch Hollywood right now, and this gets into this cultural Marxism, which I'd love to have a conversation with. Women beat everybody's ass. They don't take shit. They they are the smartest ones in the world. Guys can't wipe their own. But in real life, in places like Hollywood, there's microaggressions in everything. And it's just a very... And here's the big problem we have, Pasta, is that people are no longer having children. And this is getting into this thing that's going on right now, that women and men aren't seeing eye to eye anymore. And what is that about? And a lot of it is that there are men out there that are disenfranchised about being men. And they, they don't know where to go. Do you believe it's more about the disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement between men and women or it's the simple economics nowadays that we don't have a middle class, that we don't have money? If I had a wife right now, we wanted to have a baby. The first thing we would do is look at our bank account. I really? mean, that's, that, that to me, to me, it always goes back to economics. I have faith in men. I have faith in women. I have faith in humans that they'll be able to figure it out. Steve said something very interesting last week. He goes, I don't think that the government should ban TikTok, but you should ban it in your freaking house from your kids. I, totally I have faith you. in people to find it out. But if the economics and the resources are there to allow them to expand their the, 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 the information that they take in, I believe we can find a way. I just believe all the bullshit that we're seeing is amplified because we know how they control everything and they silence us sure. while pushing their narrative up. For sure. But I, I don't think economics is an issue because we're seeing poor people having more kids than people with money. And that is my real problem is that the people who we would hope to have children aren't having children. They're, they're, they're focusing on their career. You used to get a career so you could raise a family. Now you don't have a family so you could have a better career. And again, it's it's just like I think that. That again, when we get away from God, everything starts to get crazy. And believe me, I'm a knuckle dragger, drug addict, sex addicted, fucking crazy person. But this seems to be the con that's going on. And I do believe Andrew Tate is controlled opposition. But, you know, sometimes they're right in things that they're saying. It doesn't mean like throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's all I'm saying. And when I when we get into cultural Marxism, it's like I'm watching ESPN, right? And I'm, I used to watch SportsCenter all the time. And now it's what it really is now is just women talking to gay men about sports. Even though I've never seen that in real life, ever in my life, have I ever walked into a Buffalo Wild Wings and seen a twink talking to a chick <laughs> about who's a better running back, Emmett Smith or fucking Barry Sanders. I've never seen it in my life. But according to ESPN, this is who's talking sports. And then through Sports Center, suddenly there's an HIV commercial. And I go, Are you telling me that your research has said that men with AIDS love Sports Center? Is that what you're telling me? And the answer is it's not true. And it gets back to something called ESG. And when for me, ESG is a rebranding of cultural Marxism. And you look what they're pushing. Now, now. We can go, it's a CIA operate 100%, 100%, but it's being implemented to cause chaos because in my humble opinion, you can't send an army into America. We're like Russia. 
You send an army into Russia, by winter, they're all dead. It's too big and they're too strong. Same thing with America. So they have to do something different. They have to divide us from, they have to destroy us from within. And they've taken this small group of people, this fringe, and which they were doing it for a while on the right, and now they're doing it at the left, this fringe, fringe, fringe left of rich kids, okay, who don't have real problems, weaponize them, and it's causing this chaos in the mill where we got pronouns and gender issues and, and racial strife and everything. I, you can't really believe that every commercial has a black man and a white woman by accident. And I have no problems with that because I've watched a ton of interracial porn, okay? It's not an issue for me. But why is it everywhere all the time? There's no way that just happened by the flip of a quarter so yeah, i think it's being done i'd love to hear your opinion well i just want to start off by saying the reason why i think cultural marxism is such a bad term and maybe the term campus marxism would probably be a little bit more suitable i'm okay with that because the the fact is that i've met a lot of marxists on my travels down into latin america and it's purely economical one of my first stops my first stamp on my passport yeah. was nicaragua right and Nicaragua was probably the more socialist country I've been to. Um, you know, the Sandinistas there for quite some time. Well, I went on to the Caribbean coast in Bilwi over there, and I was able to break bread with the locals. They are very religious. You know what I'm saying? They pray on Sundays. They don't believe in gay abortion. They don't believe in gay marriage. They don't understand the, tra the transgender situation. And they're not even cool about marijuana. And in fact, I used to quote, I used to say, Man, you guys are like Trumpers who speak Spanish. <laughs> Socially, they are very, very conservative. Their Marxism is economics across the board, the majority of them, whether it be Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, Peru, you know what I'm saying? Brazil, where I just was when I was in the favelas, you know what I'm saying? So to say that their, their Marxism is like our Marxism, you know what I'm saying? The what we have in America, the cultural Marxism or the campus Marxism you, Marxism you talk about is just false. And that's my fear because we've been messing around in the global South for quite some time. You know, I, I wanted to come on your show today, Sam. Oh, always, right? I have Mel Kay on my show. She's a, a, a MAGA, you know, America first person, but she understands the NED. She understands what's going on. She understands that we have 85 bases in Latin America. You know, that's not the Boy Scouts down there, gentlemen. I you know, agree. That's, that's down there to make sure that the corporations, with corporatization, which is the actual term for fascism, 100%. we know this being part Italian, you being Armenian, right? But we understand what that's about. You know, this these people are down there because of their their Marxism, a collective mindset, because of their economics and because the United States empire boot is on their neck. So when I hear any politician, including Tulsi Gabbard, who I used to really support, talk about shit at the border. I immediately dismiss them because they're not talking about the causality of migration, which is our foreign policy down there stealing their resources. So when they come looking for it, why are we saying, oh, my God, the border, the border, the border invasion? No, we're stealing their shit. We're ruining their economy and they're coming here. And that's why they go to this Marxist mindset. It's strictly economics. It's a bunch of people coming together to get the empire off their neck. 
Beef, I agree with you, Pasta. Yeah, I, I, th- I mean, there's always going to be a conflation of what happens in America because the American mindset is to take what you're familiar with and apply it with the broadest of all possible brushes throughout the rest of the world. That's just how we're taught. That's how we react to stuff. It's fortunate that there are people like Pasta who do go down to these places and talk to these people and have conversations so we can get, you know, a more complete picture of how the world works. That's really... I mean, I guess, you know, in terms of why I do the show, too, is is to have a more complete picture of how the world works and a little bit better understanding. You can relate to people better that way. Scope of experience determines relatability. And I think that one of the things that, that we've fallen off from is the ability to communicate in general with people that we wouldn't necessarily agree with or come from different places than we do. So I'm glad that we're able to do this kind of stuff. Um specifically though and the reason that like a few years back i i coined the campus marxism phrase is because that's where this was all coming from it was all being pushed out of academia it was all being uh then instituted at a workplace policy level by middle management goons who were under orders from some professor or another and this is how you're going to change the world so it there's it's perfectly it's perfectly appropriate to call it cultural or campus Marxism, perfectly appropriate to do that as long as you're willing to have a conversation about the way other people around the planet uh, view this sort of philosophy. It is much, much more economic in the South um, in Central and South America. Um, and they are very socially conservative so a lot of the elements that would come into play in american socialism have been inverted and it's never going to be the same conversation so it's very disingenuous when people try to say that there are south american communists that are trying to do shit at the point no they're probably like you know Juan and Francine who are trying to get the fuck out of a cartel infested town. The only reason it's there is because the CIA needed a little base of operations because they had plans for Fresno, you know? Yeah. And just think about this whole, this whole talk about now the fentanyl coming over. Right. So I was doing an election integrity event with the American project in, in West Palm beach. And then I went to Orlando to do this and speak on the solutions panel with guys like Patrick Burns and Tim Canova uh, it was just a you know a mixture of uh, of people from different ideologies. At the end of the day, I think we have different opinions about who's pulling the strings. I believe the enemy is within arm's length. You know, the call is coming from within inside the house, not China pulling the strings, which is just I agree with that drives too, me crazy. So I mean, you know, with that just being said, though, I mean, I think it's just important to point out, like, you know, why I wanted to come on your show today more than anything, Sam, was to talk about this Brazilian election because I'm the down. Brazilian election. Different than the other elections I went to, there wasn't as much scuttlebutt. Is that what we call it? Or noise or talk or things just leading up to what's going on and why they're doing it. It, You know, for me, you know, I'm living now in in South Florida right here with my mom today. Uh, I'm down here. And this is where a lot of the what they would call. And I shouldn't say the term Gusano because that's what the term that. Castro would use for the, the the dissidents that people who went and sided with America and the empire and kind of turned their back on the governments down there in Latin America. But this is where they live. And it's almost like they're gearing up. They're licking their chops to find a way to manufacture consent to get back in here, you know, uh, to go back into the, the global south. And I'm not just talking about what they're doing now, the way they fund the craziest of crazies, the same way they do in the Middle East. 
the same the way they're doing in the Ukraine, Azov Battalion, ISIS Al-Qaeda. Well, they've been doing that for years down yeah. in Latin America to oppose the governments that are there, that are duly elected by the people. Well, you have people like DeSantis, Bob Menendez, Marco Rubio. They're all here down in South Florida. And, and DeSantis has already said the problem with Nicaragua is we didn't take care of the Cuba, i.e. Venezuela problem before. What does that mean, take care of? So when I hear this talk and this rhetoric go on and, and all this noise from Brazil and what happened in Brazil and the propaganda and the lying and the same people that were taking me on stage to speak for defeat the mandates <laughs> and get me on their shows, all of a sudden silent, won't let me come on their shows to talk about Brazil. Because I know that I went down there. I understand the system. I got the goods. They can't lie and they can't push their propaganda if they have me on. So thank you for having me on today because I was so eager to talk about Brazil. Well, let's get into this information it, out to everybody. What is going on in Brazil? Okay, so what happens is Lula da Silva and Lula and Nacio da Silva was just fairly elected and went into power, was inaugurated on January 1st. The election, the first round happened about a month and a half ago, and the second round happened a month ago. Uh, and Lula won both both times. He didn't have enough to secure the first round. The rules are you have to get 50% plus one to secure the presidency, and then you don't go to a second round. If you don't get the majority, the top two uh, winners will go and face off in a runoff. So that's what happened. Uh, Bolsonaro was the leader for four years there. Uh, he, was, he was elected nine times to Congress before it, the same system um, and this system they've been using for quite some time. Now, it, I go out and I see elections all over the place. Right. So I can tell you the whole system, the framework. Yeah, well, of real quick before we get into that, because sure. you've mentioned that a couple of times. What is your process for studying an election? OK, well, my process is to make sure that I talk, number one, with all the election officials and understand every single rule, every single rule when it comes to registering a vote to the day of the vote and the counting of the vote. You can split it up into those three things. How do we get registered? What are your books like? How does a person get on it? Each country is different. They have a process. Two, what is the day of voting? Like how, how, are, the, how are the votes cast? Where do they go? What are they? How do they, they work the election? And three, how do you count the votes, right? That's very, very important. Well, I can tell you that the United States elections are some of the most garbage elections all Ooh. around. For people to go in and complain and say that Nicaragua's elections are bad, when Nicaragua's elections are pretty damn good, pretty solid, one of the most solids I've seen, they got a lot of nerve. So I just I just go, I don't go to just observe, Sam. I go to scrutinize, you know what I'm saying? So I number one, we always meet with the elected officials, that body. In the case of the Brazilian elections, I think it's the TSE or the TRE, whichever it's called, but we go to them. We ask for credentials to make sure that we have complete open observation, but we ask questions after questions after questions, everything from the whole process. Now, I can tell you that elections have a fair and free transparent elections have certain things. Number one, they all have one day of voting where you must show up at your designated location with ID. It must be quick, fast, and rapid. In other words, it can't be long, you know, a long time to wait because that's the distorting election that kind of you know implements this kind of like need to not want to go and vote because it makes it a hassle so i i also make sure that's in effect i make sure to understand that it's public counting it's in person and it's transparent and very very trackable so in the nicaraguan elections in the brazilian elections in the colombia elections and the honduras elections there was one day of voting 
on a national holiday, a Sunday. You must show up in your designated area. You must have ID. Yeah, I know that's crazy. I kept telling people, you know, there were people who kept on asking me in Nicaragua, can you really vote without ID? I'm like, yeah, you can really vote in California without ID. They're like, no. They're like, why? And I would tell them, I said, well, you know, people in America, they say it's kind of racist for people who it, it's hard to get an ID. And they would keep on saying, well, why don't they just make it easy to get an ID? They're in a third world country and you can get a freaking ID to go show up and vote. And yet they're going to tell you in America that they can't, you know. And here's something else that's really important, uh, Sam. Just like Brazil, just like Colombia and Honduras and all these countries, the grassroots, they're the ones who implicate more identification processes. I don't like the fact that Colombia had the thumbprint identification to match their license. I didn't like it in Honduras. But the grassroots understands this is the way the ruling class steals elections. The more, you know, fictional people they can create, the more they can stuff the ballot. So they understand that over there. And it's kind of the quite opposite in the states. The grassroots is like, oh, no IDs, not understanding that they're screwing themselves. So that is some of the rules. Um, when you show up efficiency, I had a stop clock, right? And I put this all over my Twitter. All right, sir, do you mind if I time your, your time to vote? No, no problem. You hit the stop clock. Every single country I went to, the average time was under 10 minutes. Colombia, six minutes to vote. Honduras, nine minutes to vote. Nicaragua, four minutes to vote. Brazil, two minutes to vote. So it's quick, efficient, it's local. You get in, you get out. <coughs> then comes the counting process. Something that I talk about all the time. In precinct counting used to be a thing in the United States. Now it's not. For all these big centers, they take your vote and they send it off to somewhere to be counted. Well, there's no chain of custody. And when I say chain of custody, which has been a buzzword now for the Arizona uh, election, because it's true, chain of custody means in the purview of the public, of us, not officials that are working it. Well, an official kept an eye on it when they took it from point A to point B. Like, no, it has to be in the purview of the citizens. So in all these all these countries, like uh, it was I, I cried in Honduras when they were doing public counting. It was in the ballot box. They have these small rooms. They take the ballots out. You stand six feet away. There's all representatives from all the different parties are in the room. They hold it up. One vote for Ziamara. Mark it on the board. Put it down. One vote for nice. this person. You hear cheers. You hear boos. But it's all done in front of you. So to cheat a system over there, it's very, very hard. And guess what? At the end of the night, you know who wins. Not this whole weeks before we're going to start counting, weeks after. We can just keep counting until we get the results we want. American elections are a joke. And all these practices, I, and I put them up, the six principles of elections. Whenever I go to these events, Sam, I hand out these big cards saying elections must have these six rules to be a free, fair, transparent, and trackable election. So these are all the the uh, the rules I put in place to make sure that these things are going. What on. are the six rules? Number one, it must the, the the public must be heavily involved. When I voted last in Nevada, there was about thirty workers for a polling station that must have had maybe ten thousand people would go through in a couple of days. That's ridiculous. In Nicaragua, in Brazil, when you show up. The public's heavily involved. There's so many more people. When I showed up in Brazil to an affluent polling station in Sao Paulo, I saw about 300 people online. I'm like, wow, they're here early to vote. It was all the workers. 
And you had different people from different parties in each room. So the first rule is we the people, not any of these contracting companies that they're sending off all this work, they're bringing all these workers in who have no skin in the game. We the people must be heavily involved. And I'm not just talking about election day. I'm talking about every aspect that you have to show up at all these meetings. You want to know how long people get trained, what they have to do, you know, how many people are going to be working at a, at a single location for each place. You want to know all these questions. You want to be involved in the process years, years up until the actual election. So the first rule is the people must be heavily involved. Number two, chain of custody. A chain of custody is very, very important. That means the whole, all your, all your uh, materials, your voting, everything stays in the purview of the public of all times. The chain of custody in Nicaragua starts at the door. When you walk in, you go and you get a ballot. Each room is given 400 ballots. They have a list of voters. So if 250 people vote, there has to be 150 ballots left over. That chain of custody, from the time the person walks in the door, votes and puts it in the box, to the time it's open and counted, it stays in the eyes of the public. In Tim Canova's race a couple of years ago, they found these people who they were supposed to be, uh, the law is two people have to transport the ballots at all times. Well, it was one individual dropping these ballots off to another guy sitting in a U-Haul truck. And then that yeah. U-Haul truck was going to drive these ballots to another location to put them in secret software, you know, saying to have them counted. That's another thing I put. If it has to be software counting your votes, it must be open source. The, the citizens must have the right to inspect it, to look at it. Something they've been lying about in Brazil, where they've given them complete open source, like come in and inspect our machines. You have a machine, you want to flag it, you have the right to look at it. So that's another rule. The second rule is keep it simple, stupid, have it local and efficient. In other words, it's got to be easy for the public to get in now, right? The, the places must be close. Uh, in Nicaragua, they used all the schools, the fire departments. Each polling place was two miles away from each other. And like I said, that a second part is it must be efficient. You know what I'm saying? So those are the rules I pretty much put together for these elections. And also, you know, where it's cast is where it should be counted. That's very, very important. I that's one of the biggest rules. I, I want to reiterate that <sighs> rule because that's what's going on nowadays. You get these ballots out of the room and you take them to another spot. Who knows? I always pictured, Sam, they could take the truck of the U-Haul, the ballots, pull it into a garage and another truck comes out and they get any number they want. Yeah. So all these rules need to be implemented to have a free, free, fair and transparent election. So the question becomes, how do we get corrupt people to fix corruption? You can't. You can't. I, listen, I, I, I don't know if the solution is to think that we can vote our way out of this. However, I, we, we can't. That, I, I just want to say this much. We can't. But no matter what, we will always move back into a place where the majority should rule, right? Where the people get together and say, this is that. I make this joke all the time. I don't have it right there. The Steve says there's something there, but I haven't hit it. I said everybody votes. Adam and Eve took a vote. Adam lost, but, you know, <laughs> he got the tiebreaker, but everybody votes. You know what I'm saying? So I agree. one way or another, I'm always going to push the practice of what the pop, the, uh, the the majority rule says. So uh, I, I, I get a lot of crap. Everybody thinks I'm a conservative. I really am an old school liberal. I live and let live. There's certain things that I'm not. Johnny, that was a weird look. You don't agree with that? <laughs> 
I, I didn't make any look at all. I didn't think. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Oh, you I were making judgment. No, no, no. I think you're to totally right. I, mean, I think we're about the same in that way. We're both kind of libertarian. I, you know, I, I think old school liberal and libertarian kind of, uh, you know, meet up a little bit. But I am old school. I don't care what consenting adults do uh, in the privacy of their own home. As long as they're not hurting people, in particular children, you won't hear anything from me. I don't think the government should be telling anybody what they can or cannot do with their body. Uh, what, and I'm very consistent with that. Ever. Ever. I don't even want to hear what the what the question is. We don't even get to the question. It, it just doesn't. Uh, I don't know how we, uh, well, so my point being is this. I have been questioning the results of elections since I really came into understanding the world of politics. And I think the first one was 22 years ago with George Bush and Al Gore. Now, I make no illusions that Al Gore is a good guy, okay, that he is not part of the ruling elite class. But for some reason, they wanted George Bush in. Me, personally, it's because I think they wanted Dick Cheney in the White House because 9-11 was being rolled out. That's my humble opinion, okay? So they needed him in there. Hanging chads, this is where we start to see this election BS starting to happen. And now... We have this giant situation, right, where like every election seems to have some kind of weirdness to it. And I'm I'm somebody who's like, how can you like, I, you know, this show started because Hillary Clinton jacked the primary from Bernie Sanders. And I don't necessarily agree with Bernie Sanders on politics, but I, my old thing is it's the will of the people. What do the people want? And even if I don't agree with it, the people, if you believe in democracy, you should allow the people to decide. I do think we live in a misinformed society. And that goes back to some of the stuff we've been talking about that's happening on campuses and on television and all that stuff. But the people's will should be the people's will. Um, the election of uh, George Bush, Al Gore, Donald Trump. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously in 2020, I'm one of those people who said that the election was fugazi, wasn't the numbers, the math didn't add up. And I say this all the time. Nobody catches anybody cheating in elections. The math does. There's certain math that, you know, you can analyze these things and you can say, oh, this is where it's coming from. But the system itself is set up for fraud in America. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to have a fair system set up for fraud. But I do often think about what I experienced in Colombia, who had years and years of bad elections, but the citizens just kept on pushing reform here, reform there. They kept chipping away, get this, get that. And eventually, you know, the last election that they had, I remember one of the magistrates saying, this will be the most fair and transparent election that Colombia has ever had. There was one area where they could try to cheat them, but they knew they exactly knew where the vulnerability was. But that was years and years of the citizens finally fighting back and getting what they wanted. It took some time. And I don't know if I can give you that same roadmap to happening in the States. You know what I'm saying? But I'm sure hoping that we can do it. And all I can do is highlight the issues with the system and continue to point it out. The only problem is, is that the propaganda mainstream media machine we have actually convinces people, especially in the grassroots people, those same people, those Bernie Sanders people, because that's what radicalized me for elections, <clears throat> was the Bernie Sanders lawsuit case against the DNC. It wasn't Bernie Sanders who filed the lawsuit. It was followers of Bernie Sanders who wanted to sue, sue the DNC for having a fraudulent uh, you know, primary. And inside that courtroom, Bruce Spiva, who was the Democratic lawyer uh, representing the Dem Democratic Party that day, said technically if we want, the Democratic Party can go into the back room, fulfill with cigar smoke and pick whoever we want. And that's where everything just changed for me. Where yeah, I said, oh, I wait, agree, they're going to 
if they're going to fix elections, what what else would they do? And that kind of opened the door for me to watch guys that a lot of the guys you do work with and the, the you know, the tinfoil hack group and Steve whatnot, because I realized I'm like, holy cow, they'll do anything to keep in power. What else would they do? And that just opened the whole door. So even though I can't write that roadmap for anybody, I can tell you it has been done in other countries and I look forward to hopefully it being done. Um, but so, okay, so so how do you ahead. say we start? How do you say we start with fixing the U.S. election? If if well, it was up to you, right now the first thing there's two things, two areas where we're most vulnerable. That's in the back end of accounting with proprietary software, and it's also now the mail-in system and the drop boxes in which they can stuff. So they can either stuff or they can take away or they can add away in the back end. I think with this last carry uh, carry lake situation in Arizona. We understand it was so obvious out there. I mean, they want you to believe the math there. When we talk again, math. Yeah, get they into want that. You to believe Tell me your thoughts on the Kerry Lake election. It was just so fraudulent and so BS. I mean, these just these these numbers are crazy. Let me let me let me give you an example. First of all, when we ask people in Nicaragua and Colombia and all these other countries, hey, do you guys have drop boxes or a mail-in system? They laugh at us. No, they laugh when we ask them that question. But in Maricopa County, for instance, there are 2.4 million eligible voters. Well, 1.9 million of them got an early mail-in ballot three weeks before the election. That number alone should go, whoa, 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 whoa. There's no chain of custodies with these ballots. Where are they coming from? Who filled them out? Who's bringing them in? You know what I'm saying? When you have no chain of custody and you have 1.9 million ballots out of 2.4 million, that's going to alert you right away and say, we got to change that system. It used to be that if you wanted a mail-in ballot, you had to request it. But now what Arizona's doing, and they did this under the disguise of coronavirus, and then they, they kept these rules, is that they have an active voter list. Well, as a citizen, when I say get involved, you got to figure out how people get on that list. And when you understand how people get on that list, you can say, whoa, 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 and you could call bullshit. And you could just start getting together as people and groups and saying, we need to stop this. In Arizona, in Maricopa County, if you ever, at one time, ever in your life, requested a mail-in ballot, you automatically stay on that list and you automatically get that ballot. At the same address. I'm guessing it's the same address. They didn't ask you if you moved. They don't ask you if you died. Well, if I you updated and work. you moved, they'll give it to you in the new address, even though you didn't request it that time. Say but, if you but, requested it six years ago, but then you moved and your registration has moved, but you still requested it, you still get a ballot. If you requested it six years ago, if you requested it 10 years ago, but you are right, because here's the thing. Do you guys, when you move, do you guys call your election official and say, hey, take me off the voter rolls? No. No. So when I was in the room with a lot of America First people, a lot of them were pointing out the number one problem is the voter rolls. The number one problem is the voter rolls. I'm like, see, they're creating these rules which will have you chasing your tail. If we didn't have mass mail-out systems, if we didn't give it to everybody on the voter rolls, if you had to show up and vote, would the voter rolls mean as much if you had to show up in person? Yeah. Of course not. So we understand that we have to eliminate these rules. We have to keep pushing out the fact that countries like France had mail-in, but they canceled it. They stopped it. And countries that had it got rid of it. And some countries never have it. So that is when an area of vulnerability we have to kind of highlight and point out. And we can highlight it just simply with the math. I find it very interesting because, you know, Hillary Clinton really opened my eyes to this whole thing. When Bernie Sanders is playing, you know, stadiums, She's doing cafeterias, can't fill it. And then they're acting like, and, and they knew it, dude. They knew that look was bad. 
So this now COVID comes in and who knows how, when COVID was planned or if it when they want to implement it, but they needed Joe, but I always say they need somebody in. That's why they rig it. They really, they really need to position their people in. And yeah. so, so, you know, Joe Biden is the seventh rated uh, 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 Democratic candidate at the first primary. He's number seven. He's coming in number seven. Then everybody just starts stepping to the side, stepping to the side, stepping to the side. Now he's number one. The first person to bow out, Camel Toe Harris. And then bam. Now she's the vice president candidate. And it, it's all done to, one, break your will, okay? And two, to get you to stop believing your eyes. They don't want you to believe what you see. And this goes on with the thing that happened in Buffalo. They want you to think that this hit, and and by the way, the people telling you it was the hit are people that you basically don't watch football. They're not sports people, and they tend not to be people who have been studying this stuff like everybody on the show for years. They're just, you know who they are? They're the people in the Holiday Inn Express commercial. They stay one yeah. night in Holiday Inn, and suddenly they're expert. Well, it's those people, and it's also people indoctrinated into the the science establishment right now. Well, I'm seeing some of these the medical types the come out. I get that. But like everybody that's coming at me right now has they give me no sense of ever being into sports. They seem to be, you know, thespians. They're into the the thespians and the fine arts and all that stuff. I, they never, I never see their their social media going go Rams go or anything like that. Nothing. So they're yeah. stepping into a world that they really don't have any kind yeah. of stuff. I'm but sure. I'm sure eventually us, we get the number thirty three too as well. Right. Well. All that that stuff I gotta, weird that was explained to me today. And so, but you know, can I tell you something too? And this is it, you, we're talking about all this stuff about Hillary Clinton not being able to fill a room and Bernie Sanders filling stadiums. Steve, I, if you can explain again too as well, because Steve's so great at this too as well. Is like why the people, why the America First people were so invested in the Brazilian election, and then I'm going to show you the next part about this. Kind of going into what's played because this is some evil shit that's going on right now in Brazil. I haven't been able to sleep some nights because what I see going on, and I'll explain why. But Steve, can you please explain why the MAGA folk were so invested in Brazil? It's transference, basically, is what it amounts to. They saw something. They saw they see a kinship between Trump and Bolsonaro. It was in the press for a number of years. They were made out to be buddies. Trump got screwed over and they felt like perhaps they could get some vindication through the election uh, of Bolsonaro down in Brazil because they saw in their minds. And to I mean, to be honest about it, that's the media they were being given. That was the narrative they were being fed through uh, through like the the Bannon and Peter Thiel verse spheres was that Trump and Bolsonaro are analogous. Bolsonaro down in Brazil trying to fight off communism and the WEF. So it was the, uh, you know, Chinese communist voting machines that took the election away from him, just like it was the Chinese communist bamboo voter paper that took the votes away from Trump. You know, they were literally chasing the ghost of Hugo Chavez. What's her name? But Sydney see, Powell. do you not think that, do you think 
that Biden won fair and square? No, of course not. But Sam, I, I there's never been a free and fair election in my lifetime. You I would agree. Have to go a I long agree, way yeah. to convince me. I I don't believe in the existence of a state. So I'm a little bit a little bit removed from you know the the and I I would be horrified by something like democracy because that's mob rule. If yeah. you were going to give me a system of government, I would grudgingly accept a constitutional republic. I would. But but mob rule, fuck that. That's that's no different than you know finding the biggest bully to steal from you. Um, Again, I, I think our elections. I think our I think our democracy. You can't have any democracy with a completely emotional, uneducated uh, uh, population. No, you just can't do it. It just can't. And I don't. I'm not necessarily somebody who's like people are dumber. People. I think the information's different. That's just my All opinion. Dumber. There's been a hundred year war on education, Sam. The Rockefellers took over the fucking educational system. No, I agree with that. Really I agree with that. We've but gone I do believe from- that people have a, di- there's just, I mean, like the, 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 the amount of information that a 1500s Russian peasant got versus the amount of information people get today. We are, we are drowning. And this is Sam's, my opinion. We're drowning in just bad information. And I really get mad when I see these videos, which, you know, they edit down to make all the kids look dumb because they don't show you everybody that was interviewed. And I bet you have more people answered it right than wrong. But if you really think kids are dumb, we have no one to blame but the parents, the parents. Now, the parents have been stretched through this capitalism thing, which they've done on purpose, make both of the parents have to work. Both the parents have to be there. They can't spend as much time on the children. That's done on purpose. Yeah, to, that sounds to, like uh, you said capitalism, right? Too, and that sounds like a mar- a cultural Marxist plan because you're splitting up the the family, right? So the kid then is got to be raised by the state. So I mean, yeah, that I, like that's why I said it's always been a, a predator class thing for me. It's been an elitist thing. Okay, I, re- you know, I just, listen, yeah. dude. I respect yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah. do. I respect. I, I'm not trying to like you know. Oh, I'm not trying to play because I'm not advocating for communism. I never have. I've advocated for the acceptance of communism because I believe a lot of these countries are forced into this collective measure. You know. Angela McArdle, the chair of the Libertarian Party, said it best the other day. She goes, you know, you being mad at another country for being communist is like being mad at your neighbor for being gay. It makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and secondly, we force this upon them, this this collective mindset. And, and I just want to point out the reason why it is so important to call out what's been going on in Brazil, because number one, we shouldn't cry wolf when the we just don't like the results there. We don't have the you don't have the proof what's been going on. All the accusations have been very vague. People don't understand the system. They didn't go down there. They don't know how it works. You know what I'm saying? They didn't understand that Bolsonaro won nine elections previous with the same system. Now all of a sudden that he lost, it's bad. You know what I'm saying? So when we cry wolf, it really takes away from what's going on in Arizona, where we have some legitimate grievances and gripes. So we can't do that. Number two, it's manufacturing consent for a war. It's manufacturing consent to get involved. We can go down there and take them out because they're dirty communists. Let's go. Let's go. They stole the elections. Let's go do this. We have a history in Brazil. We've been involved for quite some time, including throwing Lula in jail so he couldn't run last time. That was us. Glenn Greenwald exposed this. Operation Car Watch. They got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Yet alone. That propaganda still plays hard down there because the working class 
you know, or the, I don't want to say it's a middle class, but the working class, the, the gig economy down there, they like Bolsonaro, but they have this thing where they despise the uber poor. Like, you know what, what George Carlin said? He goes, the, the lower class is just there to keep the middle class on their toes, keep them going to them jobs. But that's something culturally that takes place in the United States. It takes place down there. They despised Lula because he wasn't a communist, but he was a compromise between the capitalist and communist. And he was able to allocate money and resources to those families in the favelas and the working <laughs> class, the, con the conservative Christian movement that followed Bolsonaro hated him for that. And, and number three, it's divisive tactics. What, what Bannon is doing through this guy, Matthew Termond, who has been on Tucker, who's been on Infowars, who's been on uh, Bannon all the time, who's their point guy, who's, who's gotten everything wrong. He's thrown in this divisive kind of rhetoric, and it comes down to communist versus capitalist and makes us concentrate on our neighbors instead of looking up at the ruling class and what they're doing. And that's why it's so important to, to point out what happened in Brazil, because that's what they're doing down there. And they went hard. They went hard in the paint to try to convince people. I mean, I was at the, the Clark County Commission's officer, office, which is Nevada, when they were certifying the election. And I went there to speak against what was going on in, in Nevada. Same funny business that went on in Arizona. And I went there with math to throw it out and say, how can you guys validate an election that has no chain of custody, that has proprietary software? You guys don't even know who has the software. You know, you guys don't even know who's counting your votes. Somebody actually came up and they talked about Brazil. And then what do they do? They blame China. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is what's going on. It's hard in the paint. And I think that we have to point out, we have to call balls and strikes. It's very, very important. I agree, bro. So, I have a real problem. Everybody <laughs> loves Tucker. I know what he did to Gary Webb uh, and how he he basically annihilated Gary Webb and allowed him, basically pushed him out to a point where he ended up getting assassinated by the CIA for talking about stuff. So I make no illusions of Tucker Carlson. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. And he is on top of a lot of these stories because it's part of the narrative, okay? I, I don't trust the guy on network television who's getting huge ratings saying anything he wants. Come on, dude. They wouldn't let him on there if, if he was saying something they didn't want. I mean, let's not be stupid he's, here. And he's so vital he, to, if not spearheading the counter narrative to all of this, the, because we all reported on the shit that's breaking on Tucker right now. Yeah. No or shit. a couple of months ago, we reported on it a year or two ago. We were demonetized for it. A lot of us were deplatformed for it. None. It's the, the same thing with like the Twitter files and all of that. Everything that was current information two or three yes. years ago is just now breaking. And it's breaking through a very selective group of narrative managers. And any way that you're looking at that. Hangouts. Because you bought into it. I understand making bad investments. I understand buying into shit that may not, you know, may not be what it was marketed to be. But at some point, you have to do a personal assessment, cut your losses, and move on. So uh, you brought up, you know, and I think that I, I like, I am not going to be like the, I am not going to be like the progressive left that starts accepting Liz Cheney, George Bush as suddenly good guys. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, Bannon, who, like, before Barack Obama, represent everything I couldn't stand about the right. Now I'm going to suddenly be like, oh, yeah, he's totally, like, legit and making sense. You know, even if, 
even what if he's saying like everything, even if everything he's saying or or a lot of stuff he's saying is right. It's that it's that kind of limited hangout hijacking the movement thing that eventually they get to the point where they got to turn you a certain way. So you don't get the entire story. Yeah. It's, it's like they, they say those things that are right to pull you in, to dupe you on the things that they know they're saying is wrong because they want to move you in a certain direction. So they let Bannon become the, you know, the whole uh, COVID uh, narrative stuff. But then at the end of the day, he goes, Oh, whose fault is it? It's China's fault. China's the one who let this out. And then when you look deep into his, his whole freaking little empire, he's being funded by guys like Miles Guo, who's an ex-Chinese descended freaking billionaire. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is the guy who's funding the war room. Of course he's going to say this shit. You know, I mean, and the CIA is happy with him. I mean, him and Soros are working the same two different angles in China. And it's quite funny. You know what I'm saying? It's forget about it. Uh, I find it very interesting. So Brian Callen just had, I want, I got to get you on the show with, to uh, debate Brian because Brian loves to believe the official narrative on everything. But uh, Brian had this guy Peter Zihan on. Have you guys heard of Peter Zihan? Peter Zihan has done a ton of research on trade data, uh, what's happening. And he, he he kind of fits into what you're saying about China pasta. But he's like China to me, he, to him, is in danger, in deep danger right now of economic collapse because they don't do, do you believe that at all no no you, you don't no no in fact i follow more along the lines that what steve says that you know pretty soon they're just gonna you know the empire never dies it just moves and they're ready to move out of the united states and go to beijing and russia because you know why they're holding all the, the money and the resources those two countries you know what i'm saying i mean well South America and Africa have a lot of the resources that they're going after. And but they're dead slaves to China. So yes. China has the resources. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you don't you don't believe this rhetoric that's coming out that the one child policy has been devastating. They don't have oil to create manure to grow crops. No, I don't believe any of that crap. They get all of the they could have all of the oil they wanted piped into them from Russia. Russia and now. The, they just they they renegotiated a bunch of new deals about six months ago. Russia is going to be opening uh, crude and liquid natural gas to China in ways that they never had before. Brand new partnership sprung up because of all uh, of the fuckery in uh, in Europe and Ukraine. There's yeah. still a whole nother pipeline, too, that goes through uh, Poland that Russia could activate to turn gas back on to Western Europe. But because of the situation there, they're just not. They're not going to do it. They're not going to risk getting uh, their their equipment sabotaged. And uh, and they have so much of you know the our currency. They've been making our stuff for years. Everything. I mean, probably that hat you got on your head might be made in China. You know, I'm saying they're holding on to our coin for quite some time. When they go into a place, and I think this is interesting, kind of a piggybacking on what Steve said. You know, the debt slavery. You know, the the book. The what is it? The the crimes of an economic hitman or the whatever. Yeah. that you guys talk about all the time. Yeah. Well, when they go into a country, they throw the checkbook at the situation. Hey, Ethiopia, you need a new dam? Here's my checkbook. Pfft. They're doing this everywhere. You know what I'm saying? So I don't believe at all that they are, you know, in fact, I believe they moved a lot of their poorest people out of poverty. You know, they have a billion people, right? So <laughs> I believe they moved a lot of people out of poverty so they can quell their, their population. At the end of the day, though, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a panda bear. Right? I think that everything that China does is good. 
I just don't believe they're pulling the strings that a lot of people say. That I think they're. it's CIA. I think uh, I think it goes much deeper into these uh, intelligence services who are just doing the work of these very powerful elites. I think it's interesting, man. I think it's interesting. I don't know what the future holds. A lot of people are. Uh, uh, but, you know, hey, man, I, I would love to have a healthy debate about it, about China. I, 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 I think it's elites that get everybody to fight with each other. I think Absolutely. I've been to China. Uh, the people are wonderful, just like America. You go all over America, wonderful people everywhere. It's these power elites. And we'll see what happens. I mean, we got this stuff going on. And I think anything Washington, D.C. is th theater. But what a wonderful way to maintain control is not allowing one party to take over and having one party be the majority, but the speaker be of the other party. It's just more chaos. It's just complete other chaos. And this is how they did it. And they did this when Barack Obama got in. Okay. Remember when Barack Obama got in and he had the majority everywhere. And then all of a sudden these blue dogs showed up and they're like, we're not going to take your crap, Mr. Obama. We're not just going to co-sign everything you did. And they were there to make sure that there was still congestion and gridlock. And I think that's what's happening right now. Well, and at least with Obama, they got the most uh, progressive person in the House they could find in Dennis Kucinich to be the one to deliver the message that nobody was going to get their magic health care. And that, in fact, you were going to get a giant uh, blowjob to the insurance companies and the ACA. And so it's not they don't even corrupt the obvious people. They corrupt the people that are going to be elevated to hero status way before that. Uh, and no, it's it is kabuki theater. It's a, a we're we're talking about rented mules for oligarchs in politicians. We're talking about whores is what we're talking about. And they have we're talking about whores. They have they fuck you every two to four years. They fuck you, and sometimes you think like maybe I'll try a different whore. Maybe it'll fuck me a little bit better. Fuck me a little bit different. So you give them their money, your money, and your resources, and then they turn around and they give it to their pimp, and they still fuck you, but they're still paying their pimp. We're living in interesting times. We really are. It's like, I don't know what the future is. I don't know, man. What else do we got? We got China, bam, bam. Okay, man. Well, I mean, I want I want to get you guys on with Brian Callen because this should be some fire. Uh, he thinks elections are perfectly. And, oh. and I know. It's, I love him. The piece. I would he's, love to be he's at the greatest dinner. human. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet in your life. It's just, I would love to be at a dinner with Pasta and Brian Callen. That Don't would be, be the best. Um, one more time, guys. Tell them where they can find you. AM right. Wake Up Monday through Friday on Rockfin Rumble, 7 a.m. to 10 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, on the Pacific Coast. Uh, Convo Couch going Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're going to follow up. Fiorella's got a new schedule, so we're going to go early, probably about 10, 15. We do that Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We get a little bit more like political and newsy at that show, but uh, – you can catch us on all those channels. Steve, I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. All good, man. Uh, I do a show called Slow News Day every Sunday with my co-host, Glory Jones. And then every Thursday night, uh, I do a show uh, up in North Vegas with my friend Sugar Tits. And we talk about <laughs> everything but all of the shit we've been talking about here. It's a, a life and relationship and love show for and by degenerates. Well... I love you guys. I, lo I, I love watching you guys grow your empire. I'm super fans and I'm a super fan of both of you and anything I could ever do to help, I'll always do. I'm, I love what you guys do. 
You guys are American success stories. Hopefully that still means something soon. But uh, you guys are doing great. Steve, did you ever get up on stage and do stand-up yet? I didn't because I didn't go to uh, Skankfest. The, I was going to go in with Ernst, and there was, like, ticketing pro or, uh, pass problems for people and stuff like that. So I didn't get the Kill Tony was on Sunday and didn't you go just up, go but... up, bro. Well, do I it. will, Sam. I will. Damn it. Vegas, <laughs> I got a question, team? Sam. What are we yeah. going to do about these fantasy football playoffs? Do I really have to take a loss, though? I mean, I know it's like... You have Demar to give all of your virtual sad, slaves but... back. In the event of the virtual slave trade going on pause for a bit, you <laughs> return all of your digital slaves. Well, That's here's the, the thing, dude. That's why I think there's more stuff going on than they're telling you. And because, I mean, as much as Skip Bayless is an idiot uh, and his timing was awful, um, he was totally right about why did they, why aren't they re- restarting this game because something more happened there than they were telling you. And there's already, I don't know if you saw this, Johnny, but there's already now ESPN and the NFL are button heads on what's the real story. Can so, you explain what you, you mean by that? Cause you, I've heard you say that a few times. I'm not quite sure what you're saying. Like what you mean by that? I what's, heard the players the... union, by the way, Steve, Sam uh, guys that with the players union are the ones who said, we're not taking the field. Screw you. Like the NFL was trying to push them to play. And the players union said, no, we're not doing well, it. Because, because why? Why don't they want to take the field? There's been major injuries before. It's pro football. Football, since you started, was bad injuries. People but what, but Sam, I, I just what I what I mean is, are you saying that there was something unique about what that day that yes. they were afraid to go on the field that yes. day? No. So if you're saying that the players that that means something beyond what they normally see happened right there, something yeah. else went on. Yeah, they but can you just say what you think it is? I mean, are you, I think are you he talking died about... on the field and they didn't resurrect him? Okay, got it. Okay, because because okay because as, as a guy that doesn't watch football, I'm I don't understand why you guys didn't keep the game going. It, to me, it was just a hit. You get him off the field. I think and he, he goes and cover somewhere else. Well, no, I mean, I mean, actually, That's they were why doing the CPR feds are at the hospital. Thing. They're not letting anybody in. Well, here's yeah, but, the, yeah, here's the thing. You don't you don't administer CPR for the relative time it takes to kill George Floyd. And then Johnny it, it's going to be yeah. successful. Johnny <laughs> finds some story that somebody puts out about a guy's like they did 13 minutes on me. Well, no, that that was a story from. I mean, that I remember that story from back when it happened too. That that that's a real story. I, I so, guy who had there, CPR for 13 minutes. Is there any way he could have died and came back to life? Listen, you get. Why wouldn't they let his friends into the room? Why wouldn't they let his friends into the room? Yeah, I mean, well, it'll all it'll all come out. I mean, we're gonna Johnny, see why the again or not, there. right? I mean, what not just I, local I, I police. think that there's I think there was pushback from players that they were saying some stuff. You know what I'm saying? There was that one dude from Jacksonville Jaguar uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, right? What's his name? Anucci. Uh, he passed yeah, away died. too as well. Yeah. I think there was just rumblings with inside the players, you know what I'm saying? They kind of got a little bit of the, you know, uh, what's his name? Um JJ Watt. From- they watched JJ Watt go down. Yeah. Well, what's I his mean, name? He had though? heart problems too, as well. So it's interesting. So who knows yeah. what's going on? It could also be that the NFL and the NBA, for some reason, have been able to not just have something crazy happen to them that we've seen in other sports, in particular soccer or football well- in Europe. <laughs> The, I'm telling you why, dude. It's because the NFL is giving them all saline. But then why does JJ Watt have a heart problem? Yeah, I mean, you know, there could, there's plenty of people probably slip through the, the cracks with that. But 
Also, again, I mean, heart it, problems are incredibly common among athletes. Like like cyclists, they have more rhythm problems than like people who really get into cycling have all kinds of heart rhythm problems. That shit's actually not good for you. That's one of the biggest myths. And yeah, but all this stuff is pushing your body is screened, right, Johnny? Though it's all this shit is screened beforehand. You know, they're spending millions of dollars on a person. They're gonna screen the hell out of you. This yeah. this doesn't seem like something that would slip through the cracks. And maybe some players didn't go to the doctors that they were supposed. Well, to I'm get just talking about JJ Watts instance here. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I honestly, truly believe that there, there were more people who received a placebo than received an actual mRNA product. That's what I think. Agree. Too. Agree. I, I think that that in the case of the NFL, I don't believe these athletes are protected on high. There's an investment in them, but they let them know they're replaceable every single day. You know, and that there are people who are fighting starvation just to you know, just for a shot. To get their job. Uh, so yeah. it, unless you've got someone who is, you know, your major franchise guy that you're putting a decade's worth uh, of investment into disposable. And, and I don't like to talk like that, but I mean, we're talking about sociopaths here who have a very different view of us as humans than we do of each other. Uh, and I don't like, but their interest in not having an event like that is that they don't want this to dominate a media cycle, you know, yeah. multiple times over the next couple of years. So I, I well, think that's why they wouldn't many, give the shot to any of them. International football players drop from the AstraZeneca shot, where and it's not a dominant conversation in their media all day, every day. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be here, don't you think? Listen, if football players learned, just start dropping left and right. Here's what Look. I've learned doing this for the last six years is that when a story is everywhere being and the same talking points are being said by everyone, something is up and the push that they're doing with this thing where it's like you hit the heart when it it's, it's uh, contracting and you hit it at the right time. That's everywhere, everywhere. I'm listening to, I'm listening to Colin Coward gaslight his entire audience constantly he doesn't with, know. He does, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't know he's doing it. Johnny, he's he's, ha- he's very high up at Fox, and all their ads on Fox Sports Radio, dumbass. Johnny, are, are are vaccine ads. He's over, so stupid, over. dude. That guy, yeah. I, I, that guy's an idiot. Yeah, but Johnny, the, over and over. I mean, I you know, you know. I mean, we're we're that. just arguing. I mean, we're. Not, I mean, we agree that he's saying something that's wrong. I just think he's a complete moron, but. I think it's every, I mean, like, and you want to tell me this is just another day, dude, I watched for the first time in my life, live prayer happened on ESPN. They prayed on ESPN. Oh, really? I I didn't see that, Sam. Oh, wow. Dana was like, look at this. I'm like, wow, they're praying like a three minute prayer. Was that with Van Pelt? Who was doing that? No, dude. It was like the late night, uh, uh, it was like why everyone was like, I don't know what's going on. Huh. These poor guys, everybody just, dude, it was so funny watching Scott Van Pell just throw it to different people to drown in like what to talk about. Okay, we're going to go, Bob, what do you think? They're like, uh, 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 all right, back to you, Scott. Okay, oh, here, we're going to go to another bald guy. What, what do you think? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And they just kept hot potatoing it because they, none of them know how to vamp. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, guys. Great show. Thank you guys for coming on. Pass, I will always have a wonderful conversation with you. I'm going to see if we can get you guys on uh, uh, on the show with Brian Callen ASAP because I think this will be a wonderful conversation. Sam, 
I, I want to say thank you to you too, as well. You know, I, I was talking to Jimmy the other day about you. I think you're doing a great job uh, really getting people together who might think differently. Uh, Union of the Unwanted, it is an amazing show, you know, and um, I can't thank you enough. I think you've been a great mensch uh, and, and really helping us get our voice out there. Uh, I think it's uh, you're underappreciated by a lot of people out there. So fuck those people who are giving you shit online because uh, you're just a beautiful person. And, and I, I can't thank you enough. You and Johnny and Xavier, thank you so much for having no, me. No, no, they're us. okay. Don't worry about that. All right, fuck them. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is a show. You get all angles, all sides. And you know what? You're going to hear what you want to hear. And you're going to hear what you need to hear. Okay? So that's how this show is. And just, again, you just got to be open-minded to it all. The best place to be is, I don't know what's going on. Let me hear some information. So, again, go to samtriplee.com and get my dates. My dates are filling up. We got some wonderful January, February dates. We'd love to see everybody on the road. And we love you very much. Check out our um, all of our, uh, our product partners that we work with on the show and uh, you get good discounts if you click the banner and there. So thank you guys very much. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a great week. And one more time, happy new year, but wait, there's more. We want to talk to you real quick about all the content we're putting out. If this is enough for you and you're tired of watching television or the radio's driving you crazy with all the woke stuff there, we got you. We have a ton of premium content on rockfin.com. That's rockfin.com. If you go to samtriplee.com, you can click any of the banners to take you whatever show you want. We got tinfoil hat premium content. I do uh, AMAs and some uh, awesome only conspiracy interviews. I also have Zero, my spiritual podcast. And then finally, one of the best shows on the planet, Conspiracy Social Club with Brian Callen and myself. If you're looking to invest your money so you can have something. Just go to patreon.com slash cash daddies and join. We uh, daily updates and he's really helping people make their money. How we do is the idiots about when it comes to financial stuff. And he's been really crushing it. Or we have another tier for a thousand dollars, Johnny and I. And if you really are nice, we'll let Xavier Guerrero come on and uh, watch you make love. That's check that out real quick. Um, there's also on Rockfin, Broken Sim, and we also have We Don't Smoke the Same. And finally, if you're looking for new content, uh, you're listening to stuff, I have like seven podcasts. Tim Fall Hat, <laughs> Cash Daddies, uh, Broken Sim, Punch Drunk Sports, Union of the Unwanted, Conspiracy Social Club, which, by the way, we just put out our first free up-to-date episode on YouTube. First free one. Of Conspiracy so Social Club? Oh, that's cool. A conspiracy Social Club. And then also um, Zero, my spiritual podcast. Anything else, guys? Nope. No, nope. that's, that's it. it. Yeah, like you said, check out Broken Sam. We had a big year last year. Angels and war werewolves, all kinds of shit. We're going to get guess, more of that you, stuff this you year. You guys ended the year with the fucking bang over there. We bang, bro. We bang. <laughs> yeah. We bang. Yeah. All right, guys. Good one. Happy New Year again, and we will talk to you soon. We go deep, homeboy. <laughs> Eric, open your mind. <laughs> Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack, tin foil hack, tin foil hack. Tin foil hack.